Hello and welcome to Alone Together, a coronavirus podcast. This is the podcast that joins together the newsrooms of Birmingham Live, the Edinburgh Evening News and the Manchester Evening News to look at the positive community stories coming out of the pandemic. I'm Matt Millard, coming to you from Birmingham. And I'm Dan McLaughlin, recording from Salford. Alone Together also answers your FAQs about getting on with your everyday lives in these extraordinary times. On today's episode, we present to you a pet owner's guide to the lockdown. So, coming up, we speak to a dog trainer who's got some great tips on how to look after our furry friends while stuck at home. Brain work is really positive for dogs. It releases serotonin and calming hormones. So, searching, sniffing, um, what we call enrichment games. And we also put forward questions to a vet. Can my pet catch coronavirus? Are vet clinics still open in lockdown? And what precautions can I take as a pet owner? If you sneeze on your cat, it, your, your cat may take it uh, next door, of course, um, just as a, a contaminated bit of shopping might, might contaminate somebody. But first, Monday was Boris Johnson's first day back in the job after recovering from coronavirus. The Prime Minister appeared outside of 10 Downing Street saying there are real signs that the UK is passing through the peak, but warns that the good work could be wasted if the lockdown is lifted too early. Here's what the Prime Minister said. And so I know it is tough, and I want to get this economy moving as fast as I can, but I refuse to throw away all the effort and the sacrifice of the British people and to risk a second major outbreak and huge loss of life and the overwhelming of the NHS. And I ask you to contain your impatience because I believe we are coming now to the end of the first phase of this conflict. And in spite of all the suffering, we have so nearly succeeded. So it looks like we're going to require a bit more patience. How have you been keeping occupied during the lockdown, Matt? Well, a host of all different things, I guess. I mean, obviously stuck stuck indoors, stuck stuck in quite a small apartment. So been experimenting with some cooking. Got out your smoke alarms. <laughs> Luckily, we've not actually set ours off yet. The guy upstairs, however, sets it off about four times a day. Um, so that's just how we know he's still all right if the fire alarm goes off. We'll worry when it doesn't <laughs> go off. Um, so yeah, cooking uh, lots of great vegan meals, um, trying to cook from scratch, cut out all the rubbish, doing plenty of home workouts. Um, I've been trying to master a proper coffee, as apparently instant coffee is not proper coffee. So I've been uh, experimenting with various filters and, and so on. So that's that's been keeping me occupied. And of course, enjoying music, you know, relaxing to vinyls and uh, listening to the radio and listening to some great podcasts from Laudable Podcasts, of course. That was, that was shameless, absolutely shameless. <laughs> but we love a plug nonetheless, don't you worry. Now on the podcast so far, we have been offering you practical advice on how to look after you and your household during the lockdown. And on today's episode, we're focusing on the four-legged members of our families. It can be an anxious time for those who have pets at home. Alone together, Morvid McIntyre spoke to Charles Williams, who has spent the last 30 years working as a vet. Morvin discussed some of the common concerns from pet owners with Charles, and hopefully will put you at ease with some of his answers. Hi there, Charles. Um, have you been working at the moment as a vet during the coronavirus? 
Uh, hi, Morgan. Um, I, I was working when the lockdown started, actually, um, but I was quickly furloughed. I was working as a, a roving vet for a company called IBC, and uh, they they furloughed me um, um, about four weeks ago. So I did I did work in a couple of practices during the lockdown phase, when in the very early phases where we had to quite honestly, we had to think on our feet to decide exactly how to apply the these brand new measures. And um, speaking of the coronavirus at the moment, it's it's very, like you were saying there, thinking on your feet is quite ambiguous, um, a lot of things. So there's been a lot of talk about this. So can pets actually catch the virus and can they also spread it? Um, as far as we know, no. There have been anecdotes in the news about, I think I heard about a tiger that may or may not have got it. And of course, we have to remember that we, we, we suspect that this virus came from an animal. And all viruses are subject to rapid mutation. And, and that, that's how they spread from species to species. But as far as I'm, I know at the moment, they will not actually contract the disease and spread it like in, in the human-to-human contact way. But of course, what they may do if you if you sneeze on your cat, it, your your cat may take it uh, next door. Of course, um, just just as as, as a, a contaminated bit of shopping might might contaminate somebody. But as, as for the the virus actually being um, being carried in the normal way, um, no, it's it, that that's not been proven at all. And a lot of people at the moment are taking their pets out for a walk. And so if they someone's got a dog, do they need to take any precautions when they're out on a dog walk? And also, should other dogs be avoiding contact with each other? No, I think dog to dog contact is fine if it's if it's safe. I mean, I've I've been doing a lot of walking during this lockdown period and witnessed a lot of dogs running free. And a lot of people keeping their dogs on leads quite sensibly. So I think what, what I tend to do is if, if a dog approaches me, I avoid touching it because it may just, as I said before, be acting as what we call a fomite and, and carrying a, a particle of virus on its coat. Um, and also the owner may not want me to touch it because they're worried. And if it's an elderly person, you know, I, I would I would avoid touching it. For that reason, if people are worried, keeping their dog on a lead and away from other people is probably sensible. But the, the risks are really very small. And I, I think that the, you know, in the wider picture, um, people going out, having exercise, keeping their dogs fit and healthy um, is, is a very reasonable thing to do. And just, just, just applying the rules um, pragmatically is, is very sensible. Since the you know outbreak of coronavirus, are there any hygiene steps that people need to take uh, for their cats and dogs at the moment? Um, specifically, um, there, there isn't a great deal extra one should do. I mean, I think I think um, if you're going for a walk from home and coming back back to home, there isn't very much much you should do. So, certainly, if, if you go to the vet, what the, the vet tends to do is um, is is go through a process of you keeping the collar and lead and, 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 and a nurse or vet taking the dog away from you on their collar and lead. Um, the coat of the pet that's been touched, it's a bit of a moot point. I, I think the risks are ever so, ever so low. But if a, if a dog came knowing, was knowingly in an infected household where people were coughing and sneezing on the pet, then I think then you should be thinking about keeping your pet indoors. And there has been talk of, of, of if cats allowed cats are allowed free access to the outside and they come from an infected household then householders should probably keep those cats in because 
you can imagine it doesn't sound terribly nice, but if you sneezed on your cat and it ran out of the cat flap and into the next door garden, it could actually be carrying a big glob of, of, um, of COVID-19 with it. So, so again, um, being sensible. And we've touched on their pets that people have at the moment, but what are the rules if people want to get a new pet? So a new puppy or a new kitten or hamster or just any type of pet that they want to get? What's kind of the rules around that at the moment? Well, that's a very good question. You, you have to really apply the government guidelines um, to that. And there is also a site, there's the, the BVA, British Veterinary Association website and the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons website that will give sort of detailed information. But realistically, let, let's imagine somebody has ordered a, a puppy um, before lockdown and the breeder has, 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 a, has a litter of 10, 10 puppies somewhere and, um, and there's absolutely no problem with those puppies staying with the breeder, then probably in applying the government's rules, those puppies should stay with the breeder. However, if there are financial constrictions um, from the breeder, breeder's point of view and they can't feed the puppies or they can't look after them properly, or indeed the puppies are growing and outgrowing their environment and it becomes a welfare issue, or if there are mental health um, issues associated with somebody keep keeping um, a, a, a massive litter of puppies that they absolutely had no intention of keeping, um, then then I think it's perfectly reasonable for um, um, for the rules to be applied pragmatically and 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 for for a sale to be allowed to happen so long as social distancing was maintained. Um, during the transaction, so so yes, yeah, strictly speaking, tra- traveling to pick up a puppy is within the realms of possibility. But you would have to you would have to consider arguing your case to a, a police officer who might stop you on the road and say, "Why? What? You know, what on earth makes you think you can buy a puppy?" Well, actually, there are there would be some mitigating circumstances, and and and, and you you would be allowed to do so, but complicated. For some people, I guess, if they're breeding dogs or whatever, they that's their livelihood, that's their job. Um, so, you know, like you were saying, just taking uh, circumstances into consideration and applying the rules pragmatically. Yeah, exactly. And, and of course, they say don't uh, don't go to work if you can work from home. But but a dog breeder, it's it's a uh, it's a pretty muddy area, that isn't it? They they do work from home, but but people have to come to their home to, to, to buy the product and the product is a living thing that, that, that has its own rights as well. So, so yes, it's, um, it's just applying the rules um, pragmatically. Mm. And if, you know, if your pet needs new vaccinations, especially puppies, they'd need new vaccinations, should they go into a vet clinic and get that done? Well, that comes under routine treatments and routine treatments are not supposed to be being done. Now, when I first went, when I was first working in lockdown and we were making up our own rules um, before the RCDS guidelines came out a few days later, we decided that we should do puppy vaccinations because we, we thought that if we ended up with a massive population of unvaccinated puppies, that we could end up with a, a let's say, a parvovirus outbreak in, at Christmas when, when there's, you know, um, thousands of unvaccinated young, young dogs out there. However, it is deemed a routine treatment and strictly uh, speaking, they, they shouldn't be being done at the moment. And hopefully that is only a temporary thing. So perhaps in 
three, six or, or, or nine weeks time, we will start then having to vaccinate lots and lots of, 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 of puppies that are slightly older than they should have been um, start to start with. Um, but it does beg the question, oh, have we got a bit of a, a bit of a problem brewing? However, if people then maintain sense, uh, a sensible approach to walking their dog and avoiding um, sort of parks where other, pe- where, where other people walk their dogs a lot, then they can keep those new puppies safe by, by restricting their access to potentially infected areas. And I, I think that, that is very important. If you're going to pick up a new puppy, assume it's, it's susceptible to something like parvovirus and, and keep it away from other dogs. That, 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 is, that is crucial. Yeah, that makes sense. And in an emergency, what should pet owners do if they think there's something really wrong with their pet? Should they phone up the vet and see if they can get uh, an appointment? Absolutely. Yeah, vet, vets are generally working almost as normal apart from the routine things. So you would phone your vet, you'd explain um, explain the situation, you'd probably get through to a receptionist who would say that it will triage that to a vet, the vet will phone you back and you have a telephone consultation. Often there's uh, telemedicine available, so it'll be a sort of WhatsApp call or a video call. Um, rather like a normal 10, 15 minute consultation um, during which the vet will decide whether a prescription can be given over the phone. So then instead of, I mean, it used to be law that you had to see the um, the patient in order to prescribe a prescription medicine, but, but those those rules have been relaxed to allow vets to, um, to, to prescribe drugs uh, based on just a phone call and or a, a video call. If the animal is deemed to be unwell enough, then that would turn into a, a clinic consultation and, and, and the client would be asked to come to the clinic um, and then social distancing would apply and, um, and, and you know, service is normal. So um, I, I, I saw that yesterday who I used to work with and, and you know, she's been operating, operating normally um, on dogs that, that need it, consulting with, you know, with, with patients, sick patients. And uh, so, yes, it's, it's, it's vital actually to um, you know, to pick up the phone just just as if you're a, a human needing medical treatment, um, pick up the phone, get the right advice. Yeah, so definitely, like you're saying, making that initial phone call and then seeing mm. what the advice is, and then going from there. Because I suppose every situation yeah. will be different. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Um, it was great speaking to you, and I hope our listeners have got some good information out of that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Morgan. Bye bye. That was Alone Together's Morvin McIntyre speaking to vet Charles Williams. Now, putting together this episode, we've chatted about pets that we or our families have had. Any pets at home, Matt? Well, not not where I currently live, no, but my parents are, are, are dog owners, had dogs since an early age, well, since I was born, actually. We've, we've had dogs in the family, flat-coated retrievers, which are kind of... If you imagine a golden retriever, slightly slimmer and black fur instead of, instead of gold fur. Brilliant dogs. A handful, but yeah, good fun. And I, I couldn't imagine life without, you know, a family a family with dogs. It's pretty much the same situation here. I'd love to have a pet in my flat, but unfortunately I can't. So my parents' dog, Hugo, the Springer Spaniel, the star of Instagram and Twitter. I, um, if people follow me on Twitter, at Dan, Mr. Dan McLaughlin, shameless plug again, um, they will find uh, photographs of me and Hugo on video chat. So when I ring my mother, just to have a catch up every day, I always tell her put the dog on, 
put the dog on. I'll send the dog there to chat to her, of course, but mainly Hugo. <laughs> My girlfriend's dog is actually also called Hugo. He's a, a little French bulldog. And uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen his face on, uh, on you know, uh, over Zoom and, and, and WhatsApp video and so on quite, quite a few times, actually, over the past few weeks. Um, probably we, more so we, than her parents. We were on the video chat meeting with our with our manager, and in the background you could hear the cat shriek, and it was adorable, but very hard to concentrate when you can hear. Very much so. Right. Well, our next guest is Trish Mahan, a dog trainer and behaviour specialist from Dog in the House, based in West Yorkshire. I spoke to Trish earlier, asking a wide range of questions about how to train and entertain our puppies in the lockdown. So hi Trish, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Hi Matt. So we've got a few questions here, some from me, Dan and Morvin, and then some from some from listeners that have joined us. So, you know, we find ourselves in a bit of a predicament where lots of dog owners are, are, are worried about the, the lack of time that we're now allowed outdoors with um, the current government restrictions in place. So there's a fair few questions that we'd like to run through with yourself. So I'll get started straight away. Okay. So with more time at home, it can seem the perfect time for, for many to get a new puppy. But for new dog owners out there or those considering getting a new pup during this time, is it still possible to build the essential initial strong foundations when training is limited largely to being home during the lockdown? It's perfectly possible to 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 build the 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 bond and the strong foundations. Initially, in in if you're starting with a new puppy, you will be limited with vaccination programs anyway. So you will have less exposure to the outdoors. And if you're dealing with a puppy, you're starting out with initial just getting used to being at home with people with sleep routines. So just work around those things. Get your puppy used to uh, toileting in the garden. Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to use a crate, in, introduce the crate at this stage. And yeah, get get going on, on play. That's it. So we can still, we shouldn't be maybe overly daunted by this lack of... Um, you know, this lack of outdoors, especially with newer, younger puppies, we can still kind of get those initial training foundations in place from the home. Absolutely. And getting out into the garden, if you if you look around at what you've got, some if you're if you're in a home with children, you may have play tents, you'll have toys, you'll have bicycles and you can expose your puppy to those kind of things. Um, novel things like umbrellas. We may come out of this in the winter. So introducing an umbrella where a, a puppy may be startled when it first sees this. Um, and I'd also say get get your puppy out into the car if you can, in and out of the car. Practice where you're going to keep your puppy in the car when you're traveling. If you're going to use a, tra- a crate, use it now. Start the engine. Um, if If two people are going to do the grocery shop, one can sit in the car with the dog so that the dog gets used to travel. That's it. So it's not necessarily a shock to the system as soon as it's um, exposed to this kind, these new things. Yes, exactly. Um, and I'd also say get out on a rainy day because we've gone through an incredible dry spell recently. 
And rain is, it really amplifies sound for dogs. And I've been through this myself um, six summers ago. I took on a puppy and we had an extremely dry summer. And when she got out and experienced rain for the first time, she had a really hard time with it. She had a really bad reaction and she was a bit of a car chaser for several weeks afterwards. I had to work on that. So bear in mind the changes with the season that when we do come out of this, that rain will amplify sound and your puppy will react to that and and maybe going through a fear period. So think of all of the things that you need to expose your puppy to as we change into the seasons. Yeah, it's really useful stuff to take on board. Um, so as well as this kind of, you know, we're, we're limited to what time we're allowed outside. The, the other thing that's been introduced is, is social distancing, which has affected many areas of our lives. But one of the concerns yeah. we've had from pet owners is part of owning a dog is, is getting them used to meeting other dogs, you know, socializing the dogs. And if we are restricted with social distancing, we've had advice, um, you know, saying, you know, not to maybe you know give fuss and stroke other dogs just in case they're carrying germs on their fur and so on so what would you advise you know how how can dog owners continue to socialize their dogs or get newer dogs socializing with these social distancing restrictions in place okay so that that is a really interesting one um the face to face contact with dogs is not as important as the observational contact So dogs, we know from a behavior point of view that they do a lot of communication. They have a lot of body language and we they they communicate with us this way and they communicate dog to dog. So they will have certain um, postures, um, certain ways of holding their body that are communication. So for a dog to to be distanced from another dog is actually quite good. It gives them time to observe And they may do some play bows when they see a dog who is showing um, polite body language to them. And that's a communication. And for for a lot of dogs, that's plenty for them to be going on with. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't necessarily be. It it shouldn't be a a big area of concern than than maybe not getting as much close contact with other dogs than they they would normally. No, no. And and for a lot of dogs who who find being on a lead and being close to other dogs, they can, some dogs can find it stressful. So for them, we're, we're actually, when we talk, um, dog trainers and behaviorists, when we talk about how it's going at, at the moment with lockdown, there is almost uh, quite a lot of relief with a lot of people that they don't expect that their dog is going to have to meet another dog when they're out. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting... <laughs> It's an interesting thing that that it's just an observation from behave from a behavior point of view. But no, it's not the 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 dog to dog interaction is overrated. And if you think about dogs, um, I've been out in India dog training and I have observed the street dogs and the communication between them is largely at a distance. And dogs will curve when they communicate. So their their movement of choice is to curve. So they'll they'll wander towards a dog and then wander away. Mm-hmm. So um, that's and that's observational. So it's dog owners don't need to worry about this. And really, you want to be the most important thing to your dog when you're on a walk. So 
Well, brilliant stuff. And hopefully that puts some minds at ease. We briefly covered this with kind of, you know, having to get dogs used to what life will be like when normal life resumes again. So for people that are furloughed or currently working from home and spending a lot of time with their dogs, how can dog owners prepare their dogs for when normal life resumes and the dogs you know, are inevitably left to spend time on their own? Yeah, it's it's something that we need to be really aware of and give our dogs downtime during the day where they spend time alone. And whether that's you, you turn on the radio and uh, leave leave the radio on in the kitchen and go upstairs and work upstairs at your laptop, or what I would actually say for some people they're going to have to leave the house. Um, this is something that my daughter's going through. She has a rescue dog who has separation anxiety, and we've worked through it, but now she's working from home. And he is so keenly attuned to what she does that she's having to put on her work shoes, take her laptop bag and sit in the car and do some business calls <laughs> so that he has that separation. Because she found when she put on her running shoes and uh, went for a run during the day, he was perfectly fine because he says, to you know, in, in his mind, mum's going for a run, but that only takes her 30 minutes and then she's back. That's it. And it is. I think especially if if someone's taken on a dog maybe you know right before this lockdown it's it's maybe something that they're not going to be aware of until this lockdown is lifted I, I we spoke briefly before we started recording this interview I had a we had a family dog uh, growing up a you know big flat coated retriever who ha- who suffered really badly from separation anxiety mainly from when my mom left the house to go to work and he would absolutely lose the plot crying you know, uh, running around the house, even, you know, taking handles off uh, cupboard doors and all sorts of stuff. So it is really, you know, it's it's something that I that sits quite closely to myself as well. Absolutely. And when when I'm working with a client who has a dog with separation anxiety, um, the steps that we take are these slow absences and we build up. So if anybody is at home with a dog now, either a rescue dog who they've they've been told has separation anxiety or starting with a puppy, those separations are important. They will initially be in the house. Then they may be you go out to the garden and, and the dog stays in the house, um, establishing the routines mm-hmm. and, and putting things in place that your puppy will understand. Some really great tips there. We're going to move on to some listener questions now. We we received some questions through Twitter and through the publications that we are linked with here at Laudable. So the first question from one of our listeners is, my dog is becoming badly behaved. Now we have a crowded house during lockdown. How can I discipline him? Yeah, yeah. And I, I have had client inquiries about this. I think sometimes, um, well, everybody's going to be at home. We, we, we. We are experiencing um, this this crowded house situation. Uh, it may be necessary to rearrange as something as simple as rearrange the furniture so that the dog has a quiet place where he can where he can be know that he's he's got downtime in that quiet place. There there's there's a really interesting study that was done recently um, in Italy on dogs. Culturally, they have a situation where they would put the dogs out of the house, go on holidays. And if the dog is there when they come back, fine, he, he, he rejoins the family. So we had these domesticated dogs who some chose to stay feral. 
And when they study these dogs, 54% of their day is spent just doing nothing. Mm -hmm. So think about that, the downtime that your dog needs. And sometimes, well, especially now when children are at home too, there can be more attention on the dog. Um, and maybe parents will say, oh, the kids and the dog are happy. I'm going to go and take time on my laptop. I'm going to make a cup of coffee, whatever. And dogs are becoming nanny dogs. So that's something to watch for. Make sure your dog gets enough downtime. Mm -hmm. And you can actually do, um, I really find it helpful if, if kids can do a do not disturb sign for their dog. So you get the glitter out, you get the craft supplies out and you, your, your kids will do maybe an hour of making this sign for the dog. And every time you think your dog needs downtime, get them involved and they participate in, in giving the dog downtime and they, they stick this do not disturb sign on his crate or the place that he's going to have peace and quiet. There we go. I, I think that applies to us all, doesn't it, during lockdown? I think we can all do <laughs> yeah. all do with a little bit of time to ourselves and, and you know a bit of yeah. a bit of me time. And the dog is no different. So great, great <clears throat> um, advice there, Trish. Thanks for that. So another, we've kind of covered this really in the interview already, but we've we've had people asking about their you know their dogs seem to be suffering from stress or anxiety, and are, are there any tips to calming them down other other than kind of what we've covered already? Yeah, I'd um, in the absence of of doing more outdoor stuff, um, I know for, from our point of view at home here, we've had a lot of Amazon deliveries, lots of cardboard boxes, and I'm scrunching up newspapers, putting food treats into the newspaper, putting it in the box, and the dogs are tearing the boxes asunder and having a great time retrieving their treats. Brain work is really positive for dogs. It releases serotonin and calming hormones. So searching, sniffing, um, it, what we call enrichment games. Mm -hmm. um, I also have a dry stone wall in my back garden. So I'm out there with a tube of squeezy cheese and the cheese <laughs> put in all of the cracks. And that's really tiring. Um all of my dogs do nose work and scent work, and I know how tired they are when we're coming home after a session. So that kind of thing is really, it, it's it's really important. It's 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 like Sudoku for a dog. If yeah. they can problem solve, it's it's tiring. So have have a go at all of those kind of things. Even hide and seek in the house. If you have a dog who doesn't become aroused by chase and who can chase calmly. Having the kids go hide in the house, that that kind of thing is is really powerful for a dog. Classical music as well. <laughs> there is actually a CD called um, that lives in my car called Through a Dog's Ear. And it has been composed to bring the heart rate down. So classical music is 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 a good calming. Yeah. And, and for humans as well, I have to say, I like I like to calm down to some some classical music. And I know Dan, the other presenter yeah. on this show, does the same as well. So that's, um, that's some, some great <laughs> Well, it works there. for dogs too. Yeah. There you go. We've, we've had questions about the use of treats to occupy a dog. I know it's, it's kind of a bit of an obvious one that we don't want to be overfeeding dogs during this time, but we could use it from what you were saying there, using it as part of the training. Absolutely. And that, again, is something that um, behaviorists and dog trainers talk about a lot. We have we have a, a term 
ditch the bowl. A lot of us don't feed our dogs in bowls. Mm-hmm. And so our dogs work for their food. If you're feeding a dry kibble-based diet, it's very easy. Um, scatter feed in the garden and and your dog just goes and sniffs and finds their food. Dogs, if they're living feral, they don't run and bring down um, large animals and that's their food source. They love foraging. That's what they really like to do. So um Anytime you can introduce that kind of thing and the scrunched up newspaper and especially if you have terriers, they absolutely love those kind of games. So amazing! Be, being, being inventive with the Amazon boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make use of all those deliveries that you're getting. Yeah. So the final question from, from one of our listeners is um, how can I exercise or entertain my pet during self-isolation? So they, th- this, this owner was struggling to wear the dog down during isolation with the, the lack of outdoor exercise that we're allowed at the moment. Yeah, and, and we, do, we do hear that concern a lot. Um, and again, I'd, I'd go back to this idea of mental stimulation. Um, I remember the first time I took my colleague to, to do tracking and she's one of these dogs who sits up all the time in the back of the car. And there was just no head visible. And I was driving along saying, where is she? What's going on? And she was flat out asleep from mental stimulation. And all she did at that scent work session that we were we were learning was she followed human scent at a walk. And she did it two times in the whole day because there were at this session and that was it and it was completely and utterly tiring so don't worry too much you can do you can set up little um agility type things if you have a garden and that will exercise your dog but if you're doing even if you're doing one walk a day it's going to be enough yeah just do work on the enrichment and keeping your dog entertained but on the other side don't overdo it don't make your dog a project in lockdown (laughs) (laughs) well brilliant stuff thank you so much for coming on to the show trish and some really helpful and useful advice there for for dog owners and and dog owners that may be you know kind of anxious themselves during this time about how to um how to go about looking after their their pets during this time so thank you very much for coming on to the show you're welcome Well, that's all we've got time for today. We hope that we've answered some of your questions and concerns about looking after our pets in the lockdown. So thank you to our guests and thank you for listening to our podcast. So stay safe, stay positive, stay informed and stay tuned. This has been a laudable production from the newsrooms of Birmingham Live, the Edinburgh Evening News and the Manchester Evening News. You can download Alone Together wherever you listen to your podcasts. But for exclusive interactive immersive content download the entail app for ios and android and you can keep in touch with me matt and morvin by following laudable on twitter where we are at laudable pods or by searching for laudable underscore podcasts on instagram see See you next time time.